0: Today, uh, if things go as I've planned, which they never do, um, I will conclude uh, 1 Corinthians, book of 1 Corinthians. I'm looking at chapter 15 and hopefully at least part of 16, uh, if not all of 16. I've um, got some time that I've tried to do a lot for chapter 15. There's a lot here. There's a lot actually in both of these. But especially 15. so uh, I just would like to thank Matt. Um, he's been a good help, big just a big help and through this uh, my transition kind of back to things from being out on a, on a medical leave and I'm really grateful Matt to you for uh, all that you've done to be a part of my class and uh, really really means a lot and I, th- I thank you for that.. Um, Thank you as well for being patient with me, and uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to to teach this class. Um, I hope there's a little dab that you've been able to get from the book of First Corinthians, maybe a some perspectives that were that were helpful, and uh, just want to don't want to belabor that, but I want to again thank you for your good comments and the things that you've had to say and response I've even got from emails and phone calls and things of that nature of those that are even have had questions, and I appreciate that. Let's, uh, going to begin here, I, I normally start off with a review, but because of all that I've got that I want to try to cover this morning, uh, I've kind of left that slide up you see in front of you now that uh, is going to be, uh, again, for you to just look at probably for the last time in this class. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to proceed into chapter 15. Is there any questions anybody has over that before I start? Anything that... Okay. So chapter 15, interesting, interesting book. Uh, interesting uh, look at the, the letters that we see here that Paul continues to... Paul continues to address with regard to to the brethren here at Corinth. Um, I think it's, uh as we get started here, he says, "I want to make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, in which you stand, by which you also saved, by you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain." And what I want to what I want to start out with this morning is, I think that in this particular in this particular chapter we recognize christ's resurrection paul's going to bring that to light to these brethren but uh and he's going to do that as he starts off with some established facts and uh i'm going to try to bring some of this out um i may skip a little bit here and there uh, again for uh just to be able to get through some of the things that I want. But if there's something I skip that's uh, on your mind, please feel free to raise your hand and, and we'll talk about it. But um, chapter, we, we talk about this as being the unity and resurrection. Um, just kind of a, as, a, as a preface as we start here, it, it seems as though there were those in Corinth that, you know, Paul had, had made his first trip there back When there were several, you know, that he had baptized, but I think whether there were individuals who were influences, false doctrine, whether there were false teachers, those kind of things, uh, there were some that were struggling and having problems with the resurrection or believing in the resurrection. They may have believed that Jesus had had rose from the dead, but they were having issues with man. And Paul goes to to quite an extent. Um, So in verses 1 through 11, what I want to look at here this morning, as you see here, he preached to you, and you received, and you stood, and you're saved by this. Um, And he talks about this. He says, you know, from the death, the burial, and resurrection... I delivered to you as first importance what i also received that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to cephas then to the twelve after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time What i want to do is i want us to think about this morning just as we as we look at this one of the things i think he's trying to he's trying to to hone in on and he's trying to bring home for these brethren is that when he delivered this message and he delivered this when they were when they first had received and obeyed the gospel you know the same gospel that he's preaching to them right now he's making them aware of this is what you stand in this is what you're and and this is what you receive this is what you you stand in or you should stand in And when I say stand in, what do I mean by that? When someone stands in something. Okay, he remains. Okay, what else when you think of the word stand? Okay, movable. And also in which you're saved. And then he talks about, and then we see here that the death, the burial, and resurrection. We think about when we we look at this, and, and I want us to kind of make things clear what would he have been talking about when he said paul said to the brethren according to the scriptures do they have what we have what'd they have Was that okay old testament prophecies Did did i hear another comment over here okay that's right um but was there an old testament was there any old testament prophecy that christ would would rise in three days i couldn't find any not old testament prophecy he did he prophesied that um, john 2 uh, matthew 12 um, but I also think it's uh, i think that what's also interesting here is what else does he do here to prove The resurrection okay eyewitnesses so when we think about these eyewitnesses and and I've listed what he's talked about here in uh, chapter 15 Uh, let's, let's just talk about these quickly but what would this go to what was the importance of this why would he tell them this Yeah. wasn't just his word. However, his word was strong because he said, first of all, I received, who did he receive it from? That's right, from the Lord. Yes. So he, he pinpoints witnesses. He pinpoints witnesses that could corroborate this and could provide information. And I think, especially when we see here... Um, He appeared in in, in verse five to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. What's he saying by that? What's he mean by that? Some have died. You could go talk to them if you wanted to. That's right. You could go talk to them. These are individuals that uh, I think when you when you look at this, most until some have fallen asleep. So there are those that have passed away, those who have died. There are those that if you want to hear so to speak from the horse's mouth as Brian said, you could go talk to them. He appeared to James and then all the then all the apostles. From, from my study, from what I what I believe here is this is this is James, I believe the, the, the brother brother of Jesus. Um, when you think back, I remember, you know, James early part of New Testament was killed by Herod, um, but I believe this was the James that uh, w- we would be referring to here. Um, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. I think that's interesting too when you, we see throughout the scripture as that Paul continues to always look at his, his status, or he looks at The life that he lives is is unworthy he's one that always talks about that uh, he's the least of the Apostles Um, he looks back and I think every day probably reflects back during this time even when he was preaching the gospel and he was interacting with just the church here at Corinth he talks to him about this and all the witnesses when he includes himself He's, he's very humble about that. He's, in fact, I'm going to even use the word lowly. I mean, he, he is not one that pats himself on the back. And he does that because of where he's come from, what he's done, his past, those things that he's done in his life that he's not proud of, that he probably honestly hurts, and he probably um, just in, – and in, those are things – when you think about, you know, we, we've all probably got things that we've done in our past, and sometimes maybe those haunt us more than, than we recognize. But he is one that says, you know, because I persecuted the church of God, I'm not fit to be called an apostle. But he shares that with these brethren. But he says in verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace toward me did not prove vain but i labored even more than all of them yet not i but the grace of god within me i think that's interesting too when you think about you know paul and what, again what he's trying to share with these brethren is that uh you know i believe that uh you know he's he's even an individual that as he talks to these brethren i think that uh you know he's trying to make them see from these six instances, and I say six, but, you know, we're talking 500 plus people and more that Christ had appeared to. He's trying to, again, confirm and provide confirmation, factual basis for the resurrection and for these brethren to be locked, stock and barrel in believing that this is all if, if this, that this is all true. I want us to think about, I want us to think in, in verses 12, 12 through 34, all men, and Paul's going to kind of shift a little bit here, he talks about all men being raised, um, I think it's, you know, one of the things that he wants to convey to them, verse, and I'm going to go to verse 12, if Christ is preached that he's raised from the dead. How do some among you say there's no resurrection of the dead? And again, I don't know the full circumstances that, we're, that we would see behind this, but there is something am, amongst the group. There are people here, whether it's, again, false teachers, whether it's individuals um, who have at one time believed and now they don't, um, or question it, whether the, the resurrection of the dead but paul is basically saying to them um you know he can't understand how do some among you say there's none if christ is preached if there's no resurrection of the dead then what's he say Then not even christ was raised if christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain and i want us to think about that too as we as we again i've just kind of laid these out here for us this morning um, verse 15 it says if it, it, moreover if we're found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise in fact the dead are not raised if, if the dead are not raised not even Christ has been raised if Christ has not been raised your faith is worthless you're still in your sins verse 18, he says, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. We have hoped in Christ in this life only. If that's all we have is hope of Christ in this life, what's he say? We are all men most pitied. I'm going to stop there for just a minute. And as I think about what he is, as he's laid out here and what he's basically trying to bring forth, is that let's think about if Christ is not raised, and this is what I think he's trying to bring out to these brethren, if he's not raised, think about all, as the, as the, so to speak, the dominoes fall here. What happens? There is such, you know, those that are asleep in Christ, they perish. There's nothing that we have if Christ is not raised. Christ himself, if, he's, if, if, if they're not going to believe that there's a resurrection that, of the dead, and you believe that, that Christ, you can, and, and I think what he's telling them as well is you can't have it both ways. You know, you can't think, say, well, I believe that maybe, you know, Christ probably was raised, but I'm not sure that anybody else can be. I'm not sure anybody else would be, that, that that's possible. And I think what Paul is saying here, you can't have it both ways. Either understand and believe that there's a resurrection and Christ was raised from the dead. And so Christ then made it possible for others to be raised as well. And yes, sir.
1: I guess I'll just make two points. One, if Christ wasn't raised, he's like any other man. He was killed, he's in the grave, period. But but by the fact that God raised him from the the dead, he's declared to be the son of God. That's sort of a coming attraction for next week when we study Romans. But that's the point that Paul makes in the early part of chapter 1 of Romans. He is declared the son of God by the fact that God raised him from the dead. Yes. And so, to your point, if that didn't happen, then what's what's it worth yeah what's the point what's life what's the point that's right thank you kerry
0: you see a hand over here
1: okay john to kind of piggyback on that and really say the same thing over again verse 12 i think the point is that he'd already shown conclusive proof that christ was raised from the dead and the point is if god can raise him it can raise you too. Yeah,
0: definitely. Good point. Let's go into this next section of this slide, and uh, you know, again, I think when we look at, uh, you know, we're gonna, if, if there's, if Christ didn't raise, if Christ wasn't raised, and we don't have any hope, we're most, all of us are to be pitied. It's a, it's a sad situation that we that we're facing, but I think you know, again, it's. Carrie and John brought out that that's in fact the, that he has been raised the resurrection of Christ provides hope for us when we again when we look at these verses here 20 through 28 he brings out that uh, I'm going to look at 20 kind of I'm going to go a little overview just quickly through this Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who are asleep what would Paul mean by that the first fruits. When you think about, I'm going to just use, for instance, um, I'm going to use about just a garden. You know, Since I've been in Tennessee, I've not been able to have one. Melly and I had a pretty big garden back where we came from. But what is there always about the first fruits or the first produce or the first that comes on? It's pretty exciting, isn't it, when you, when you think about that. But what does what, what the first fruit, so to speak, say? To you when you're going out to get those those tomatoes or or whatever that's come on first looking forward to more more. i think that's a good way to put that and i think you know think back to the old law think back to the old testament they were commanded to give those first fruits and those things that were the best but I also think, and again, how would, when we think about Christ, how would Christ be that first fruit? And I think, you know, we think about, you know, vegetation, we think about something that comes on, and it's, it's, it's the first. Christ, again, is the first when it comes to those, again, those, and we look at the context here, who are asleep. He's that first fruit. He opens that door of opportunity for those that are asleep, and provides that hope. Verse twelve it says, "Since any man came, by de- for since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead." And he's going to talk about Adam. As in Adam, all will die. Also in Christ, all will be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, and after that, those who are Christ at His coming. Then comes the end when He hands the kingdom over to His Father. When he's abolished the rule of all authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet, verse twenty seven, but he says all things he says all things are put in subjection. It's evident that he's expected to put all things in subjection to him. Verse 28, when all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him so that God may be in all. And again, all in all. This is, you know, and again, just to recap this really quick, you know, he's given them, so to speak, this order of resurrection and how this is going to happen and again, providing confirmation, Christ is raised from the dead. He's the firstfruits for those who are asleep. In other words, those who have died. He talks about, you know, in Adam, man died, but yet in Christ, man will become again because of the resurrection of Christ. That Christ will be will be also will be made alive. Each one according to the order. Christ, the firstfruits. After that, those that Christ said are Christ at His coming. Then comes the end. And when he hands the kingdom over to the father, you know, he's, he, he lays this out before them to let them see that there's going to be a process. This is something that is that he's aware of and that these individuals, he wants to make aware of this as well as to how this is going to happen. Again, providing confirmation and proof that, that these things are will come about. Through this section right here,
1: any comments or any, from anybody? Yes, sir. Uh, J- Jesus was not the first person ever to be raised from the dead. Uh, think of Lazarus in Luke 16 and there were others, but he was the first to be raised never to die again. I think it was in that sense, he was the first fruits. Okay.
0: Is there a hand over here?
1: Okay, Chris.
2: Back where Paul was talking about himself, um, the uh, verse ten. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Um, As you mentioned, quite right. I'm I'm sure he had guilt for the things that he did, Um, and uh, the the logical conflict of I did these things. I'm not worthy of this. Yet I'm forgiven. Um, it's, it's not I mean that, that's something I, I, absolutely to be celebrated but also it's a, if I'm forgiven I have work to do and, and that's why he labored so it's, it's not just enough to focus on I did wrong I've forgiven and that's huge it's also but I have God has purpose for me
0: yes so for good, each of us good point anything else Okay, let's get into this last part of the slide here. If there's no resurrection, i just ask the question, why are you? And again, gonna, verse 29 kind of opens up a, I won't, say, I won't say can of worms. Well, I did. But sometimes, I think, again, just looking at this, um, and I think, you know, there are, wow, I found 30 or 30, 35 viewpoints that people have about this particular verse it says otherwise what will those do are baptized for the dead if the dead are not raised at all then why are they baptized for them um, and, and I'm gonna stop there right now and I'm gonna give you my perspective of this and what what uh, what he says and what he's saying here you know um, many of you probably know that the Mormon faith would believe that uh, that you can be baptized for another individual um, you can be baptized say uh, you know aunt Dottie passed away 10 years ago and she didn't had, had never responded to the truth and they see that you could be baptized for aunt Dottie, that she then would have the capability to have her soul in a different state say than when she was when she had died, now you've been baptized for her, and she has the capabilities to have eternal life with the Lord. Now, what? I, again, that, that is definitely something that I disagree with and would not uh, in any way, shape, or form tell you that that's, again, giving you an idea of just some things that are out there. Um, but I think it's important that we understand that, uh, you know, and again, from, from my perspective, and this is, again, I think, in, in looking at some, some words and looking at this, again, let's go back to the context that we have before us right now. Verse 29 starts with the word otherwise. I think in some versions you might even see the word else. And I think that what he's saying here is go back up and look at what he's just told them with regard to the things that we've just been told, say, verses 20 down through verse 28. And he says, otherwise, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? And I think what's, what he's basically saying here is, this is referring to this this particular verse is referring to baptism why would you be baptized why would you be baptized if there's if there's no resurrection why would you be baptized if Christ didn't wasn't raised why would you do that he's going to say some of these things in the next few verses that are very similar to this and i will tell you that that doesn't necessarily mean... You know, I think Ephesians 2 talks about this as well, that uh, you know, when, it, when you think about being baptized, um, it's not something that I think we look at where we can be baptized for people who have died or passed on. That's not at all. But I think it's so easy that people t- take it from that standpoint. Um, but if the dead aren't raised, if the dead can't be raised, you know why would you want to be a part of the dead? Why would you want to be a part of the, be baptized and then die, um, and then you're not going to have the capability to, to be raised? And again, he's going to. I think some of these may be some rhetorical questions that he asks these brethren. You know, verse thirty, he says, "Why are we also in danger every hour? Why would you put yourself in a position to, in when it comes to persecution, when it comes to standing for what you believe in, when it comes to." Those things that you would, again, looking back at the, first, the beginning of this chapter, you stand for. What do you stand for? What's the purpose of that? You know, and, if, and, and Paul talks about that from his own standpoint. You know, um, why allow yourself to endure persecution? That's what basically he's done. Why fight for your faith or allow it to be ridiculed if there's no, resu- if, if there's no res- resurrection? The last part of this, he talks about fighting and resisting evil. Why would you want to do that? You know, Paul even talked about in uh, 31, 32, if from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus. I don't know if he's referring to literal wild beasts. He was, you know, for instance, uh, thrown in a lion's den or dealt with, with savage beasts. Or he's talking about dealing with individuals who were treated him beastly, you know. Demetrius, when we if I think back to Ephesus and the, the shrines and the things that Paul was preaching against idols, he really stirred up a, a pot of problems there. But because he was showing them, and 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 at that period of time, he was showing uh, the the people there that this was wrong. It was it was sin, and he was really dealing with a lot of problems and a lot of issues. But he says, you know. When you think about you know Daniel and the lions den, you think about some of the things these people went through for the cause of Christ. Um, You know, and I think you know Paul's basically saying that to these brethren. um, But then we're also going to look here as I affirm, brethren, by the boasting in which you have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If from human motives, you know, he fought these beasts, and then he says in verse thirty-three, "Don't be deceived." Bad company corrupts good morals. You know, this is a verse I think sometimes we'll turn to when we want to talk about what kind of friends we should choose. What kind? And and, and, I'm, and I think you can make application for something. You know, to, to that when you see hear a verse like that read. Don't be deceived. It's easy for us to be tricked or you know for us to have you know not realize maybe what this individual is. And you know, choose our friends wisely. Why? Because bad company corrupts good morals. But I think, based on what I see here, and again, staying in the context of what I'm reading here, I would say that it's very possible Paul's saying to these brethren, there's probably people that are influencing you or having an influence on you. Don't let this happen. Choose who you communicate with. Choose. And, and seek and, and, and look at these individuals for what they are. You know, philosophers are, you know, when you think back, there were a lot of this going on, you know, rhetoric, the, the kind of things that could have happened here in Corinth, but Paul's telling them, don't be, let yourselves be tricked. Don't let yourselves be in a position to where you're fooled and then you, you're following yourself down this road that's corrupting your morals and the things and, and affecting the things that you know are right, don't let that happen. Become sober-minded, as he says in verse 34, as you ought. Stop sinning, for some have no knowledge of God, and I speak this to their shame. Some will say, how are the dead raised, and what, what kind of body do they come? Um, and again, as I, as I look at this, we're gonna, and I'm looking at 50, at... Uh, this this last this this last section, um, when when we when I think about uh, what he's gonna and, and I think what they, he may be sharing with them is they're asking him, you know, some will say, "How are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come?" You fool! He says, "That which you sow does not come to life until it dies." He's going to talk about, you know, you know again. I think he's going to make some some. He's, he's going to look at the principle here of sowing seed, sowing grain. What happens when we sow grain? You know, you, you put a seed in the ground, and for a short period of time, that you know, just like. And again, I think he makes reference to the body and what the body does. But here it is. He's using verse thirty-five through thirty-eight to show that planting a seed. You know, uh, that which you sow, you don't sow. The body, which, which is to be, verse 37, but a bare grain, perhaps a weed or something else. God gives it a body. He gives that grain. He gives that seed. He gives it a body, and just as he wished, and to the seeds, a, a body of its own. And he talks about all flesh is not the same. But, you know, getting back as, as we look at this, he talks about a difference in flesh. So a natural body raises spiritual body. As he talks about, you know, again, plant a physical, corruptible body raise a spirit incorruptible. Um, again, sh- showing them the difference and the transformation that occurs um, in the nature of the resurrected body. Uh, verses 45 through 49, bear the image of Adam, bear the image of Christ. Um, when, we, when we think about this section, um, he says in verse 44, it's, a, it's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. If, if there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. And also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last man, Adam, became a living spirit. Again, talking about Christ. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, and earthly The second man is from heaven. Again, talking about the differences in man, talking about Adam, and talking about Christ. As is the earthly, verse 48, also are those who are earthly. And is the heavenly, also those who are heavenly. And I think it's, you know, again, just looking at what what he's doing here and talking about these things, he's trying to, again, show them so, they're, so they can understand this process of resurrection. Any comments at this point? Yes, sir.
3: Corinth was not the only uh, church that was experiencing this, maybe, influx of ag- uh, Gnosticism or whatever it was that uh, denied Christ as deity. But both Paul and in First Thessalonians 4 and peter in 1 peter three and four which we studied last night with the young people uh, peter addresses the fact that jesus uh, taught in prisons in uh, chapter three and in chapter four how that he uh, also uh, taught the dead well how did he do that when he was in paradise he demonstrated that he was the fulfillment of prophecy and his blood reached back the righteous but the dead who uh, also have the ability to see across the gulf into paradise according to luke 16 also witness christ's coming but peter says all of those and all of us are going to be judged everyone now has been reconciled to god and even these people uh, here as peter said uh, some of them had heard the gospel and some of them perhaps in Corinth had already died just as the church at Thessalonica looked for it. But what all the writers say is that based on what you did after you heard the gospel, what you did with it, that's the judgment that you're going to receive. And so uh, here as he's talking about the resurrection, the baptism of the dead uh, is a is a not giving free will, uh, free license for second chances we don't have second chances like the catholics say uh, with purgatory and baptizing for the dead is useless christ has already declared himself to the dead and he declares himself to the living so uh, in the resurrection both paul and peter say we're going to be judged according to uh, how we lived our lives under uh, the law and what we knew to do and either did or did not do it. Appreciate it. Thank you verse.
0: Any other comments? As we as we look at this last section right here, it says flesh and blood cannot inherit heaven. Verses 50 through 53. And he talks about in verse 51 how we'll be changed. I tell you a mystery I, that we all we will not all fall asleep. In other words we will not all die but we will all be changed in the moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed for this perishable put on imperishable and this moral must put on immortality and when this perishable will have put on imperishable and this moral put on immortality then will come about saying death swallowed up in victory And again paul I think you know again paul is bringing it, and just letting them know this process and how this all is to come about and when he talks about here oh death where is your victory and oh death where is your sting you know you know it's this is going to be something as that we look at this and going to death it will be will be no more it'll be swallowed up and again he wants them to understand as they put their faith and their trust in the things that he's preaching and proclaiming to them when it comes to the resurrection and it comes to this this newness of life that they can look forward to being raised if you know he says in verse 57 but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ one of the things you know and again we look at we look at verse 58 a lot. We turn to that for a lot of other applications that we make in our Christian life to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. But I think in, in a big way, this verse 58, when it, when you think about what he's trying to convey to these brethren, this is probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest verses that he's trying to say to them, Brethren, because of the things that I've shared with you and be. Because the resurrection is is a fact in the fact that you will be raised and that jesus did die and that you can rest assured you can put full stock in the fact that this is true so be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work that you know you should do as chris talked about just a little bit ago knowing that your toil is not in vain in the lord and i think that's it's critical for us to understand that uh, even in our own lives, this is something that he tells us that we can have trust and confidence and we can give, put our, again, lock, stock and barrel in the fact that uh, when we die, there's hope. Those that have gone on in Christ that have, have, are still in the grave have that capability to be able to know and have hope that Jesus Christ, uh, that because of what he did, they'll be raised. Any comments? Yes, ma'am.
2: Going back to the resurrection thing, um, you know, we have a soul and we can't see our soul, but um, God sees our soul. And just like we can't see God because God's a spirit and our soul's a spirit, that's the way we're probably going to be at judgment because um, if flesh... Like this, this said, flesh and blood cannot enter into, enter into heaven. Your soul enters into heaven. So, what you think, what you do, what you say matters because that's part of your heart and your mind and your soul.
1: Okay. Any other John? Book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon talks about all the things that are vanity. You know, wealth, worldly wisdom, fame, etc. cetera. He says all that's worthless in regard to your eternal well-being. But verse 58 says your labor in the Lord is not in vain.
0: That's right. Good point. Kerry Lewis wanted me to remind everybody that his outline for next Sunday is back on the ledge, the AV ledge, and he would be starting the book of Romans. Sorry to get into chapter 16. But uh, I appreciate, again, your comments, and I've enjoyed this class. Thank you very much.